My name is Brian Smith. I am a certified grief educator. I am a life coach. I also teach mental fitness training. Uh, I am here because I've been through quite a transition in my life with my daughter passing away. So I'll start with that. It was eight years ago. My daughter, Shana Lane, was 15 years old. This was in June of 2015. And she was a, a vivacious, really outgoing, uh, athletic girl. She was great at school. And she passed away suddenly on June 24, 2015. We went to wake her up that morning and she she wasn't there. She wasn't responsive. So that was the beginning of a really difficult and uh, interesting journey for me when Shana passed away because I realized that my life felt like it was at an end. I felt like I was never going to have any joy in my life again. I felt like uh, I just didn't have any purpose in life. So for a few years, I went through that experience, but I was able to find resources that helped me tremendously. So I found an organization called Helping Parents Heal, uh, which is an organization for parents who have lost children. And I got involved in that on a voluntary basis and started working with them, started my own group with Helping Parents Heal locally where I live in, in Cincinnati, Ohio, and started slowly to make a recovery and started to find joy in my life again. And I want to say that for me, I had to find something to hold on to even in those early years because all I really wanted to do was to be with my daughter. I knew that she was okay. That was one advantage I did have because of all the study I had done before about the afterlife, but I wanted to be with her. But I had my wife and my other daughter that were still here, and I knew that I needed to be here for them. So that was my motivation going forward. Now, going back before Shana passed, starting off early in my life, I had a real fear of death as, as a child, even. I grew up in a religious background that told me that God was a very judge, judgmental God. I grew up believing about heaven and hell, and it really confused me. I didn't understand how God could be so angry with me and other people who hadn't really done anything wrong and that he was going to send us to eternal torment. So I went through the motions. I, I joined the church. I got baptized and all the things that I was supposed to do, but I never felt really comfortable with this, this feeling about this religion and about this view of God that I had. So I started to, I'm, I'm a very analytical person. I'm an engineer. I, I want to know how things work. When I was a little, when I was a child, I would literally take things apart, see what was inside of them. How did they work? And sometimes I got me in, into a little bit of trouble, but that was the kind of nature that I had. So when it came to religion and this God, I was like, what can I find out for myself? What can I know? It's not just enough for me to believe what everybody else tells me, but what can I know? So I started studying other religions. I studied Buddhism. I studied Kabbalah, Jewish mysticism. I studied Islam a little bit. I studied anything I could find about what other religions said about God. And I started, I found about near-death experiences. So I started looking at near-death experiences and are these real and can we trust them? And what's this thing called mediumship? And so I started all this studying and I came to the conclusion that God wasn't the God that I was told when I was very young, that God was a loving God, that God really, even though in our religion, it was really weird. They would say, God is loving, but if you don't love him, he's gonna torment you eternally. But I found out that that's not what God is like. God is, I believe that from my, my experience now, talking to people who have had NDEs and other people that God is the true loving God that, that I was taught about, you know, a little bit at least. So when I started studying all this stuff, I became more comfortable. 
with the afterlife, I became more comfortable with understanding that we don't uh, just cease to exist because again, at one point in my life, it was like, do I choose to believe in this God who is sounds like a monster or do I choose to believe what the materialist is telling me, which is there's nothing that we are just accidental beings. You know, we just accidentally came in, in the being and that we were created when we were, when, when our bodies are created, we were born. And then as soon as our brain shuts off, we're done. So those were the two things that I was kind of wrestling with and neither one was satisfying to me, but I found out that they are actually, there was a third choice. There's a choice to believe in spirituality that we are spiritual beings, that we are here for a reason. We're here with a mission. So again, I started to say that to a certain extent before Shana passed. But when Shana passed, that is when things like really accelerated for me because that's when it went from, this is an academic exercise that I know that people are in the other life. It's like, okay, now I have to know. I have to know where my daughter is. I have to really you know, know and I need to see you know, can I still make a connection with her? And, and before this, I believe that even though when people die, I believe they were still existing somewhere, they were somewhere else. They weren't connected to our life. I didn't think we could have a relationship with them. And I discovered that that, that is the case or that was the case. And so I can say now, eight years later, eight and a half years later since Shane has passed, that I do have a relationship with my daughter, that I believe that we are on a mission together. And ironically, I discovered after she had passed that I, I believe now that our lives are somewhat planned, that the, the things that we go through, they happened for a reason. And I've learned this again through people who had near-death experiences. I've interviewed about 50 of them for my program. Uh, I've talked to several mediums. I've, I'll never forget the first time I had a reading with the medium and it was over the phone. She had no idea who I was. She had no idea who Shana was. She gave me a fantastic reading. And she said, Brian, I have to tell you that Shana is saying that this is the way it had to be. And she said, you know, I, I hate to tell you that. I don't know how you're going to react to that, but that's what Shana is telling me. And ironically, now that this has happened, I do believe that that these things happen for a reason. I believe that Shana is my teammate. I believe that we planned this before we came in. I believe that it's my mission to be here and to continue the work on the ground, so to speak, while Shana's on the other side helping me and guiding me. So that's the conclusion I've come to. And after about three or four years of the intense study after Shana passed, um, a series of synchronicities led me to what I'm doing now. So the first thing was a friend of mine who happens to meet, be a medium, she, she sent me a message one day on Facebook and she said, Brian, I think you should look into this life coaching program that's, that's online. And I was like, well, why would I do that? I had never thought about becoming a life coach before. I didn't even really know what a life coach was for sure. Um, but I was like, I just followed her intuition, my intuition. And I took the program and I realized, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. So I took that and I applied it and built my website, started my business, Grief to Growth that I've got now. And started following steps after that. So then I became certified as a certified grief educator because again, with helping parents heal, I'd worked with hundreds maybe even thousands of parents that I'd spoken to in different different uh, circumstances. And I realized that this is the thing for me to do. This is what Shane and I are supposed to do together. So we started that business. I, I, and I say we, because uh, as you see the video with me, Shane is in, in the background behind me um, because Shana is over my shoulder, literally all the time, you know, guiding me and working with me. So I feel like that's my, my mission in life now is to help share this story with people. 
And as I've interviewed people that have had near-death experiences and learned from them, um, it, it's become a real part of, of who I am and, and what I do. Uh, and ironically, just a couple of days ago, just yesterday, I was meeting with a very old friend and he said, is this really real? You know, can you really know that? We can't really know any of this stuff. And I said, yes, we absolutely can know. There is there is a lot of evidence out there. The people that have had near-death experiences, again, millions, probably billions of people at this point have had these experiences. And they all come back and they tell us the same things. I just retired from speaking at the IANS conference, International Association for Near-Death Studies, a, a conference with about 500 people who had had these experiences and being in the room with them and listening to them tell their stories and being able to share my story with them, uh, I felt like, again, we're kind of all on a team. We're here, I believe, at this time to share this news with, with the world that that it is all good news, that we do continue, that the hardships that we go through in this life, and it is very difficult, but the hardships are here for a reason. And we grow through the hardships and we learn through the hardships, but they're all temporary and we will see our loved ones again. That's the overarching message you get from all the experiences I've had to this point. So when it comes to God, the word God is a loaded term. And I know a lot of people in the circles that I that I start traveling now kind of shy away from using the word God because we think of that judgmental God I talked about earlier, that, that God that sits on the throne and is going to judge us and send us one place or another. But even in, in the Bible, if you're a Bible believer, it says that God is love. And what near-death experiences tell us is that's literally true. They tell us that when they cross over, they feel the love. It's palpable that God is love, that everything is made of love, and that we're all one. So when it comes to defining God, it's very difficult because I don't believe that God is a being. It's not a, it's not a person. It's not just a man, but it's not also impersonal. So when we think of something that's not a person, we think of impersonal, but but God does love us. God is love. So that I believe that God is the source. God is the source of, of where we all come from. It's what we're all connected to. It's what really literally everything is. Everything is God and God is everything. The idea of, of why do we have to experience pain is, is a very common question that man has been asking himself since we could ask, since we could form the question. If God is loving, if God is caring, if the other side is so perfect, then why is this side so bad? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons for it. One is to really appreciate something, sometimes we have to be able to experience its opposite. And if you think about it, if you've ever been really, really hungry, and then you get a you get a good meal, the meal tastes so much better. Um, when I was a child, I used to I was sick a lot. And when I would when I would be sick, but when I would get better, when I would feel better, it felt just so much better. So there's something about experiencing extremes that help us help to appreciate what we have. And we think about when we do have something all the time, for example, most of us can breathe okay, we take it for granted. We don't think how, oh, how great is it that I can breathe or how great is it that I can walk? So we, we take those things for granted. Another reason why we, co we come here to experience contrast is it helps us to grow. And again, using another analogy, when we go to the gym, for example, and we test our muscles, we get stronger. So there's something about being able to push against something that helps us to grow in our capacity. And so we experience these things to help us to grow. The other thing about you know being on this side and, and we think about why do people go through bad things? Well, if we're, if we're going to express compassion, for example, if we're going to 
sympathize with somebody, then someone has experienced something that we can sympathize with. So I believe, for example, some people come into this earth and choose a life, for example, of being ill. I'm going to be sick so that you can take care of me. And this all doesn't make sense if you think of the earth as like, I get one life and this is it. And why would I waste it doing this? When you're going through difficult times, a couple of things to keep in mind. One is nothing lasts forever. And I know when we're going through these times that sometimes it feels like it's going to last forever. Or we might even think of our lives as being a very long time. So say you've got something that's chronic and you're going to continue to deal with it for the rest of your life. Even that is a limited period of time. And also there's always a silver lining in pretty much everything. We can look for the good in it where we can actually create good in it. Now, my daughter, Shana, in the short time she was here, she faced some, some pretty adverse conditions. And I'll never forget when Shana was younger, she said, I would like to break my leg. And I said, Shana, why would you say that you would like to break your leg? That don't, don't say that. Don't speak that in existence. Well, I would like to know what it's like to walk on crutches. And that was the way Shana experienced life. And shortly after the war, she tore her ACL and she learned what it was like to walk on crutches. But when Shana was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and she had a very severe case of arthritis and she was diagnosed at a, at a very young age, I think she was about 10 or 12. And I'll never forget, we were walking from the from the doctor's office down to the lab to some blood work done. And she said, I wonder what it's like to have blood drawn. So that was the way that she went through life was like, instead of looking at the negative things about it, she's like, what, what can I learn from this? How, how is this going to, what's this experience going to be like? Um, she got injections in her fingers, uh, cortisone injections one time when she was, her, her arthritis was really bad. And she would watch the needles going in. Most people would turn away, but Shana was curious about things. So when you're going through a difficult time, ask yourself, you know, what can I learn from this? Or what's this experience going to be like? Not just a negative aspect of it, but what, what might be novel about it? What can you learn from it? Well, when you when you first lose someone, especially in my case, a, 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 a daughter, and especially suddenly the way it was for me, because it was literally she was here one day and she was gone the next day. It can feel like it's never going to get any better. And I honestly will say to you, I actually didn't want it to get better. I thought that I would honor my daughter by by experiencing the pain for the rest of my life. I thought this will be a way for me to show how much I loved her. But I started looking at people around me who had been through the same experience. And this is where it's great to be able to find someone that's gone through something similar. And I saw people who did have hope, you know, three or four or five or eight years later, and I started thinking, maybe, just maybe there's a chance that I could feel better someday. Maybe there's a chance I could find purpose again in life someday. So just being able to have that hope is what I try to tell people to hold on to. Now, there's a natural process when we're going through grief. We don't go from that extreme pain to being just okay overnight. And so I, I use a phrase, I call it, when you are when you go through grief, you're planted, you're not buried. And what I mean by this is your planet, so you will grow. But just like a plant, when we plant a seed, it doesn't sprout overnight. It takes a while for that seed to grow. So when you're going through these difficult situations, what I encourage people is don't try to rush through it because it is a process, but also know that there, are always, there are always is hope that you will be able to integrate it and, and make something good out of it. The law of attraction is something that I am evolving my point of view on. And there's a couple of ways to look at it. Again, I'm an engineer. I'm an analytical person. Uh, and I have to say, first, right off the bat, I remember buying the book, uh, The Power of Positive Thinking, when I was younger. And I literally threw it in the trash can. 
because I was like, this isn't the way things work. Um, and I know some people believe that if we believe positive things and positive things will happen to us. But again, it's complicated because what's positive? We don't even always know what's best for us. But here's what I do know. If you keep a positive attitude about things and if you keep curiosity about things, you can turn any situation into something positive. You can find something positive in it. So what we what we look at is what we see. And it's really interesting because I talk to people about the way the world is right now. And I hear a lot of people saying things are so terrible. Everything is out of control. Everything is chaotic. Things couldn't possibly be any worse. Well, first of all, people have said that since the beginning of time. Everybody thinks that the time you're living in is the worst possible time. But what I tell people is there's a lot of good stuff going on. People are living longer. Life expectancies are going up. Poverty around the world is going down. War is not as common as it once was. Illness is, is going down. Things are actually getting better if we choose that that's what we're going to, we choose that's what we're going to look at. So we can look at a situation and we can always see the negative in it, but we can also see the positive in it. So that's what I believe how the, I think the law of attraction really works. Now, what I do is I practice the gratitude practice. Every morning when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do before I get out of bed is I think of at least three things that I'm grateful for. And what I've realized this does is it helps to train my brain to look for, a, to have a positive mindset and to look for things that are going well as opposed to things that are going bad. So I don't I don't discourage people from believing in the law of attraction. If people believe in it and it works for them, that's fantastic. But what I tell people is what I do know is that you can find something positive if you just look for it. Well, I want to thank you for having me here today. Thank you for listening. Uh, for the channel, please like, share, and subscribe to get this channel and this, this message, this very important message out to more people.